ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's Joe George behind the glass, and it is a Wednesday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Astros continuing to flirt with missing the playoffs entirely. They're in a race, a four-team race. Toronto, then the three American League West teams, Astros, Mariners, Rangers. Three of those four teams will make the playoffs. The Blue Jays jumped you yesterday. You now have just a half-game lead on the Rangers and just a half-game lead on the Mariners. And Rangers are winning baseball right now. Mariners play the A's, so they're going to win baseball later. And you're you're losing baseball today. So, like, these results hold in an hour and a half. Well, the the Seattle-Oakland games get started now. So, in three hours, you could potentially be the fourth of those four teams and completely out of the postseason. It's, It's unbelievable. It is... Uh, mind-numbing how everybody, including us, on a daily basis has to try and figure out what the hell's wrong with this team and and why are they not performing at the level that we expect them to. And it's just more and more frustrating every single day. I mean, last night was another example where you just look at it, and I think you can start to feel it in in the players. The players have always tried to kind of, you know, set it aside. They're not worried about it. They just have to play their game. They have to do their things. It seems like it's boiling over even with the players now to where... Look, there. You know, you know how many games are left in the season. You know what you have to do. And everybody that kept saying, as long as they're still in first place, it's okay. Well, the day is coming relatively quickly now, where if you keep playing like this, you're not going to be in first place, and you got a whole hell of a lot of work to do to make sure that you make the playoffs. You need a little bit of a rally, or they're not going to be at the end of the day, and it could potentially be completely out of the postseason at the end of the day. And there's 10 games left to play, and you have Dusty Baker filling out a lineup card today with no Jordan Alvarez in it. Like, you have 10 games left to play. You have an off day tomorrow. You lead the Rangers and the Mariners by half a game, and the loss column's even, by the way. Right. The loss column's even, by the way. And the Blue Jays have jumped you, and you're not going to use your best offensive player. It's one of the weirdest things ever. And Dusty, Dusty's quote today, trying to like, you know, it's one thing to do it, but then the quote that he had was, sometimes you have to sacrifice a game for the better good of the, the rest of the games. What? Like, you can't sacrifice, and I know that, like, he didn't really mean it, but you can't sacrifice a game with 10 to play in the thick of a playoff race when you're a half game up on the Rangers and the Mariners. What a bizarre thing to say. You're absolutely right. And it just points more fingers at him, and I guess he enjoys the fact that he basically is letting everyone know, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and I really don't care what anybody thinks about it. But it's just another decision that frustrates the hell out of me when I have been harping for the last two plus weeks this is go time this is when your best lineup is out there every single freaking day Jordan's not in the lineup Jake is now all the the dusty lovers are gonna say but Jake got a hit so Jake validated it well are there Jake are there are are there dusty lovers anymore oh yeah I mean I mean Poncho on Twitch is one of them He, he is he will he will go to the grave defending Dusty Baker I think it's his gimmick how in the world can you put Jake Myers in center field and sit Jordan Alvarez when you've lost two of three to the best record team with the best record in the American League and you are trying to scratch and claw your way into a playoff spot and hang on to first place it is 
mind-numbingly befuddling to me. You want to you want to put my tinfoil hat on for a second? Please. You want a nice little conspiracy theory? Sure. I think Dusty benched Jordan. Jordan took three pitches right down the middle yesterday. Jordan's a, like he's a notorious. He's going to guess the pitch, sit on that pitch. If he doesn't get that pitch, sometimes he takes three strikes right down the middle of the plate. I think Dusty benched Jordan for 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 taking three pitches right down the middle of the plate yesterday. And that's ridiculous, too. It is ridiculous. It is absolutely inexcusable because of how impactful this situation is. I've seen it time and time again in sports. When your best player has a hiccup, when it's a very crucial time, there are other ways that you can discipline them, have a conversation with them, try and work through it with them. But you don't keep Jordan Alvarez out of the lineup today with how crucial of a game it is for you going down the stretch for the final 10 games. It's it's just not something that anyone should say it's okay, no matter how big of a Dusty fan you are. Yeah, it's, it's weird. One one eight five. yes, he did mean it. May lose this game, and that's the sacrifice. Have a couple help you the rest of the season, knowing that this lineup is not a winning lineup. Uh, okay, uh, that's, that's an interesting way to look at it. Um, yesterday's game specifically, like, when do you want to start? You want to start with the bad base running? You want to start with Hunter Brown? Let's start with the bad base running. How many times is this team going to run into outs? Like Mauricio Dubon, the way that he ran into an out at third base yesterday was was flat out silly. Like I know Jordan Alvarez ended up striking out on three pitches, blah, 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 blah. But if Mauricio Dubon doesn't run into the out there at third base, like what are you doing running into the guy? Just stop. Just freeze. Right. Right. Just if if he if you're the force out at third base, whatever. It's not a double play. But to run into the out was just moronic base running by Mauricio Dubon. Jose Altuve ran into an out. Dubon actually ran into two outs. He was at second base with one out and got too far off the bag. Got picked off at second base on a ground ball to the left side. Not good base running. And then we see Baltimore yesterday. They had an inning where Cedric Mullins draws a walk. Cedric Mullins still second base. Cedric Mullins then moves to third base on a fly ball to the outfield. And then Cedric Mullins scores, I believe, on a sacrifice fly. They score without a without a hit. No, it was a safety squeeze. It was the safety squeeze. So you have one team that's manufacturing runs like Baltimore, a winning team. And you have the Astros, a struggling team. I'm not going to call them a losing team, although they are a losing team at home when they're playing at Minute Maid Park. They're one game below 500 at Minute Maid Park. They have a runner at second base. Nobody out cannot score. So that's the difference between a team that's playing well, that's a winning team in Baltimore, where you can manufacture a run without a single hit, and a team that's struggling right now in the Houston Astros, where you can get situations, runner at second base, nobody out, and he doesn't move off second base by the time the inning is over. And you look at the night before when we were both harping on Jake Myers not going on contact and Dusty basically saying it wasn't, I didn't have on contact on, it was a read play. So you look at all these things, and then you hear the frustration in the locker room where some of the veteran players are starting to be a little bit more vocal, or at least lead you to believe that if you have to execute better, those are the kind of plays that they're talking about. I mean, Altuve on the on the the slide when they 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 sent him, you know, I know the dirt is wet, but it looked like it was like one of those things where you tried to slide on a rubber floor and you just kind of skidded to where your chin hit the dirt, and he was he came up like two feet short, going. What are we doing as a team? All year, the defense has been subpar. It's been awful. The base running has been horrible. And the fact that you've done all you've done just to persevere and be where you are now is amazing in itself. But to see it all crumbling before our eyes and like everything that we've seen happen prior to this throughout the season now rearing its head at the worst time, 
It is excruciatingly painful. Yeah, comedy of errors on the bases. Like the the Altuve one, like trying to get a read play, it didn't get you know the best read. A little bit of an unfortunate bounce too. Like that one, like that one's kind of baseball. But the Mauricio Dubon too far off second base, and the Mauricio Dubon in the ninth inning, literally running into the runner or to the to the third baseman. Third base. He literally ran into the third baseman and ran into an out, turned into an easy double play, and then the Jeremy Pena part of that too. Like Pena seemed like he was kind of coasting into second base. Kyle Tucker had a play today where he was coasting into first, like. The, the one-two of this team, and I'm usually not one to like criticize the one-two, especially of a playoff team. Like, of course they want to, of course they want to win, of course they have like you know that that hunger in their belly. This team kind of feels like it doesn't for whatever reason. Like, is it a clubhouse issue? Is it a team that just doesn't have that desire? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't really. I hope that that's not true. It shouldn't be true for a team that's still in the lead in the American League West, but you kind of get the feeling at times that, you know, and it's not a dusty thing, unless you lost a clubhouse, that the hunger just isn't there for this team. Like, the the hustle isn't there. The professional bats aren't there, and it's it's bizarre. It's understandable if you get complacent in the middle of the season. The dog yeah. days of the middle of the season and the road trips, and, you know, you're, you're waiting for the All-Star break for a chance to kind of, you know, recharge your batteries. But this is go time where... There's a you look at a team like Baltimore. They're hungry for every win. They don't care where it is they're playing and what the situation is. They are enthusiastic and they are going after it. But you're talking about a team here that's been there and done that over and over again. I get it if you're complacent in in July or June, but this is a time when you can set the tone for everybody in the American League and further on to say we're still here, we're coming, and you don't want us in the playoffs. Look out! You got healthy. You got everything you needed. And now there's all different things you can pick apart, all different things you can point fingers at. And it, it's true. It looks like a lot of players are just going through the motions. And I think Bregman really was the catalyst for being frustrated last night because you would think that Bregman and Altuve and the guys that literally have been here through all of it would be the guys leading the charge going, come on, fellas, we could do this. This is what we do. And you're just seeing a lot of ho-hum effort. You've had a lot of those, though. Like, you've had the Maldonado. Uh, you've had the Verlander. Mm-hmm. You've had the you know the Bregman yesterday. Like, you've had a lot of these. Like, at some point, it's kind of boy who cries wolf. No doubt. Like, it just it doesn't carry weight once you start watering it down with as many as it seems like the Astros have had. So, it's uh, it's it's bizarre. Uh, Hunter Brown, what did you think of his performance yesterday? I think that Hunter Brown is solidifying the fact that he's going to be in the bullpen for the playoffs. I think I, I just I look at Hunter Brown and I go, this is not the same guy we saw a year ago. This is not the same guy we hope to see all this season. This is not the best season for him in year two. It's not that I don't think that he has the ability and the stuff, and and I don't think he's going to get. I think he's going to get better next season and beyond. But this is just not a year for him that is shaken out to be a guy that's going to be a starter in the playoffs for this team. Yeah. I- I, I wish I could say that, but there's just not... Look, first off, let's talk about making the playoffs. Like, right. this whole, like, he's going to be a starter in the playoff rotation. What playoff rotation? Like, the Astros at the end of the day could be on the outside looking in. Um, I think that he's still the number four guy. Like, if, if you use, look at Javier start today, did Javier just jump people? Probably, especially with, you know, the desire of keeping Javier in that spot. Like, is the decision J.P. France or Hunter Brown? It's really not a great answer, it's if not. I'm being honest with you. Uh, he w- he wasn't good yesterday. I-, I thought that you know there was times when he just was like, 
he wasn't timely. Like you get out of the get out of the first inning without giving up the two run homer. Get out of the third inning without giving the three run, three run homer up. And he had a couple of bleeders. He had like he pitches to some soft contact that like they find their way through the infield. They drop in little bloopers, and and he was a little bit unlucky with the hits he gave up yesterday. But he also gave up two home runs, and he gave up two home runs when there was people on base. A two run homer in the first inning, a three run homer in the in the third inning. So. Like those are those spots that I think are going to separate Hunter Brown from being, quite frankly, hadn't been a good starting pitcher this year. Mm-hmm. Tons of potential, tons of talent, but you have an ERA that's flirting with five. You've not been a good starting pitcher. That, that's just the fact of the matter. And I think for Hunter Brown to take like that next step in his professional career, he's going to have to be clutch in those spots. Like you get two on, two outs, you get out of the inning. You don't give up a three run homer. You induce a ground ball to get out of some tough jams. Like you're going to be in jams in Major League Baseball because the other guys are good too. For but Hunter Brown to take that next step, he's got to be able. To to pitch with traffic on, no doubt. I mean, he had some he had some bleeders and some boomers, and the combination was deadly for them and for him. But he's got to work now on taking the next step in pitching. He we know that he has unbelievable stuff when he's on, but he's got to think his way through, and he's got to be able to you know kind of internalize every situation and and just be smart about your execution. Because we've seen him tinker all year, and we've seen him try different things, but we just haven't seen him figure it out. And I think we both are on the same page in saying the same thing, that it just it hasn't been his season, and there's a lot to, for him to work on this offseason. It's not like you're closing the door or saying that he can't pitch, but he's got to start pitching more and throwing less. To, in order to be effective for the long haul for this for this team. 713-780-3776, your, your frustration with the Astros. This continues to be the most frustrating regular season for the Astros in this golden era. They're flirting with being potentially on the outside looking in of the playoff bracket as soon as like in three hours. Mariners and uh, A's are about to start. Rangers are winning. Astros are losing today. 713-780-3776. We'll keep talking about this. Also, Nico Collins emerging into a wide receiver one in the NFL. This whole running back thing in the NFL, they're filing a grievance with the NFL Players Association. we got to get into that and much, much more. Also, Michael Bourne. Michael Bourne will be joining us at 5 o'clock as well. 713-780-3776. We're on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN97.5. He's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. The guy over there is at Joe George Radio. I'm at Jeremy Branham. Your frustration with the Astros. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN97.5 and ESPN92.5. Place to be on Saturday night is TDECU Stadium. Cougars looking to turn the tide. They take on the Sam Houston Bearcats in a college football show. Showdown. First time these two teams will be playing since 2005. Sam, of course, making the transition up to the football bowl subdivision. It's the perfect way to kick off your weekend with some family fun. Get this. Get this deal. Your exclusive family four-pack. Isn't that really cool? For It's an unforgettable experience. Family four-pack for you. You receive four tickets, four hot dogs, four sodas. You see, four-pack. All of this for just 60 bucks. Where else can you have a family affair in the afternoon, family affair of fun for just $60? Four tickets, four hot dogs, four sodas for just 60 bucks. Go to uhcougars.com slash tickets right now to lock those in. Also, 713-GO-COUGS. Also, if you look, maybe you don't have a family, but you want to go to that game. Uh, well, just $20 individual tickets as well. Come early, enjoy all the new activities in Cougar Alley in front of TDECU Stadium, including that huge LED TV screen. Watch the big game before you walk in to watch the Houston Cougars play. The Bud Light Backyard, great spot for a drink. And the Coke Fan Fest, which is a lot of fun as well, and much, much more at Cougar Alley. Get your tickets right now. UHCougars.com slash tickets. 713-GO-COUGS. Come early, be loud, and wear red. 
Most bees make honey. These killer bees make great sports insights, but they also make honey. Don't ask about the process. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's Joel and Jeremy. Lamont says, uh, Branham and Blank, part of me kind of wants the Astros to lose. They all stop stroking out daily. Uh, then a part of me wants the Astros to make everyone look stupid. Uh, Lamont, how many times have you been suspended on Twitter? Just just curious about that. Uh, I'm just God, wondering how much 50. Elon thinks that you're stroking out on Twitter. Um, Come on, Lamont. Be better than I think that. we've been fair with the Astros. Yeah, absolutely. We've been fair with the Astros. We call it like we see it. I mean, we also have your calls, and you know, we could edit those for you if you wanted to, but we let those go. What does that mean? I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we could be nitpicky about him and what he does when he delivers the message verbally that we don't. So we just do what we do, and you do what you do, Lamont. I was—I uh, thought it was funny, actually. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Let's go back out to the HRMP listener line. Todd, you're in the hive with the killer bees. What's up, Todd? Todd. Todd, let's go. Todd. Todd's showing up like the Astros offense today. Try back later, Todd. Oh, there he is. Todd, you there? Yeah, sorry about that, guys. All right, turn your radio uh, down, buddy. Real quick, real quick. You know, everybody was super excited. Dusty finally got his World Series as a manager, yada, yada. And that's great. Does it tarnish any of that if, since he came back and, and how things have gone this year, if he takes such a powerful juggernaut team and misses the playoffs completely simply because it feels like he's making moves to spite people or to show people I have total control and then ends up missing the playoffs completely with this lineup. Will that tarnish the greatness of his? I mean, I know he's going to be first ballot Hall of Famer. I get that. But it, it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth personally. And, and I like Dusty. I like the toothpick, you know. I, I like how he does things. But, man, if he fails to make the playoffs completely after some of the moves and non-moves he's made, that just, that just stings a little bit, in my opinion. I'll hang up and listen, guys. Appreciate it, Todd. Uh, Todd, I don't think there's anything that's going to tarnish Dusty's legacy. I mean, you look at his win total and what he's done as a manager and then the fact that he got what he hadn't had in the World Series title a year ago. And, and no, this is not about what Dusty has done in his career or his resume. And it's not, nothing's going to break his resume. It's just things run their course. And it seems more and more like... Dusty was the absolute perfect manager for this situation set it, setting up coming out of the, the cheating scandal. And Dusty did his job. And he did it better than a lot of people thought he was going to do then, too. And he took you all the way to the promised land, and he got you another World Series. But this is a different team. That was then. This is now. And right now, this team looks like there's they got a lot of disconnects. They don't have a whole lot of fire under their ass. And they've got a job to do that isn't getting done. When you look at it and say, they've lost 14 of their last 19 at home. They have a losing record down the stretch now when you need to be winning games and trying to take control of this division. And as Jeremy pointed out, you got a legit chance to miss the playoffs altogether. There's something wrong there. And whether you believe it's dusty, all dusty, partly dusty, or not dusty, the easiest thing for an owner to do, because there's too many players that you can't fire, is you're going to fire your manager or get rid of him at the end of the year. It's just the way it is. I think it will affect his legacy. Uh, you do? On, absolutely. If this team doesn't make this playoff, uh, this postseason, it absolutely will affect his legacy in Houston. Abs- there's no Maybe doubt in about Houston. it. Maybe like, in Houston. But na- nationwide, Hall of Fame, No, no all it's, not gonna, it's not going to It's not going to impact his Hall of Fame resume. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Fame manager, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. I mean, you're top 10 all-time in wins. You do have that World Series title to add to your name. It means accolades are incredibly impressive. 
you missed the playoffs in this golden era with, look, I understand you've had injuries in all of this, but you've now had a lead in the division up to two and a half games. You had a week where you win two games against Oakland and Kansas City. Um, you have Jose Altuve. You have Jordan Alvarez. You've traded for Justin Verlander. You still have Framber Valdez. Like, it's a playoff team. And if you miss the playoffs, and Dusty's already not, like, universally loved in this city, quite frankly. You miss the playoffs? Absolutely, that impacts Dusty Baker's legacy in Houston. I wonder you, how much it impacts you, Bagwell's. You already have people in the city saying that you won a World Series, dis- like, in spite of him. So if he misses the playoffs entirely this year and it's his final year as the Houston Astros manager, absolutely it impacts his legacy as the manager of the Houston Astros. I, I just I, I see it differently. I don't think it, it's going to affect him because of the fact that at least he got them another World Series title. If they had fallen short, if they continued to do these things, if, if a year ago when we were talking about and pointing out all the different missteps he made in the regular season, and we said, and I specifically was on the, the pretty hot and heavy, that if, you, if he keeps doing these things in the playoffs, it's, un, it's unacceptable. You can't go on with this guy. But he didn't do them in the playoffs. He pushed all the right buttons. He made the, the changes in the bullpen that I, I were eyebrow-raising that worked out for him, and they got a ring. And so I think that that will override everything else. If this was over multiple years of failures, then I, th- I think it might be different. It's not multiple years of failures, but it's multiple years of feeling like Dusty's not a good manager. Uh, Battery says that the rest of the nation doesn't share the same opinion of Dusty like Astros fans do. You know, I think that the people that have the highest opinion of Dusty are baseball fans that haven't had to endure the Dusty Baker experience. Like, people in Cincinnati. Uh, I don't know how Chicago fans feel about don't Dusty Baker. Them. But, like, all these all these don't places have fired him. Like, you wore out his welcome in San Francisco. Didn't love him there at the end. Washington. Uh, Washington didn't love him at the end. Chicago didn't love him at the end. Cincinnati didn't love him at the end. Astro fans, some people never liked him. Some people not liking him right now at, at the end. So... I, I mean, very. I mean, he has a Hall of Fame career. There's no doubt about it. But if he misses the playoffs with this team, I think it. I think it is going to leave a very because it's going to be. It would be his final year. They're not going to bring right. him back if they miss the playoffs. So it's his final year. Misses the playoffs with a team that won the World Series the previous year with a talented roster. They've had some lumps, injuries, things like that, but still a very talented roster. Yeah, I don't think that. Uh, I don't think Houston would be too fond of Dusty. It'll be interesting because I think that to the first point. I think the Buster Olneys and the longtime beat writers and the the national guys that cover the league, they're going to continue to sing his praises no matter what. They just they love him as a person. They they love him because he's friendly. They love all the ways that he goes about his job, which makes their job easier. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I, I mean, I think that there's there's serious questions in every market. I just think because in those other markets he didn't do what he did here. I think it's going to have a lot of people that will still allow him to save face, and, and they'll be able to say, Dusty got us another World Series. Dusty got us through a tough time in this franchise's history. And, and let's be honest about this season. As much as we know he's made a lot of very, very strange decisions and questionable moves, he also got this team to persevere through a ton of injuries and uh, where a lot of managers would have folded up their tents and gone home or just couldn't ke- keep the team from doing so. Mm-hmm. So he did do, for the majority of this season, better than most. Don't think Houston cares. Like quite frankly, don't think Houston cares because like they're going to view the the window that we always talk about it being three, four, five more years. Like how long can they keep it open? Like you're getting hit with this harsh reality that all of a sudden you might be on the outside looking in. There are still people that when you bring up the idea of AJ Hinch returning to Houston this off season or at some point in the future, their lasting memory of him is his decisions he made in the playoffs. The lasting decision of Dusty Baker if they miss the playoffs will be that he missed the playoffs. That for the first time since 2017, the Astros failed to not only like, they've been to the ALCS all of the years. To not even get to the playoffs is an utter failure. It's a total disaster. Like, there's no way to look at it other than that. 
They have completely failed and bottomed out as a team all of a sudden because they lost to bad baseball teams at the worst time. It's stunning. If they get in and then bow out, does it change anything? I don't know. I think the bar's too high. Like, they're not the Texans. They're not the Rockets. It's ALCS. Yeah, I mean, if you get into the wild card series and you lose your first two games, it might even be worse. Like, well, that's why I asked. That's a little more painful, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, it's like, okay, we're in. Let's start our run, two and Q, and your season is over. Like, I, because now you have, you added to those expectations. Like, missing the playoffs, it, it, you don't have, like, okay, well, we're going to win a World Series. Uh, 713-780-3776. Let's go back out to the HRMP listener line. AJ, you're in the hive. What's up? Hi, um, I just heard about y'all talking about, um, about the, uh, the whole, the whole Astros dilemma that in, uh, they might not, they might not be first place anymore, but right from the get go, I mean, the whole injury is kind of like, you know, take his place and then you got, you know, that Presley guy on Monday. I thought they was gonna, they was gonna win that game on Monday and then the whole thing just blown out of proportion. Appreciate it, AJ. Look, I, I think that Dusty is catching like his press conference today after sitting down Dust uh, Jordan mm-hmm. and saying that we have to sacrifice one for the last nine. Like his explanations make things worse. Coming off quite the frankly, pit stops. coming off the pit stops, you have a day off tomorrow. Like the the explanations of Dusty make things worse. And Dusty's also the same guy that says you're one swing away from getting out of a slump. So like if you're one swing away from getting out of a slump and he's your best offensive player when things are right, isn't he the guy that's in the lineup that's one swing away from getting out of the slump as opposed to I don't like the way he's moving, I don't like the way he's swinging, sacrifice a game with nine to play. Like that's fishy to me. Yeah. It's talking out of both sides of your mouth. And if you missed it, the pit stop was, again, we were doing this a week ago and he was doing the same thing that he's doing again now and saying sometimes you guys just don't understand it, but a guy needs a pit stop before he makes the stretch run. Well, not with less than 20 games to go in the season, he doesn't when he's one of your best players or multiple guys are your better players and you're putting out a lineup with John Singleton and Jake Myers at the bottom of the lineup for no apparent reason in another situation where they have the day off the next day and you're scratching your temple going, you're supposed to be taking advantage of a team and a schedule and everything that's supposed to be laid out in your favor and you're evening the playing field. Yeah. I do want to defend Dusty a little bit. We'll do it on the other side. 713-780-3776. I think the criticism's fair, but he's not the biggest reason. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN at 92.5. Hey, right now, I'll tell you about the good people at MyBookie. I've been telling you about MyBookie for a long time because they've been in business for a long time. MyBookie's been in business for over a decade, and they're dedicated to their customers and making sure that the customers stay happy so they stay with them so that when people want to put money down on games, they know there's only one place to go, and it's MyBookie.ag. That's why I always tell you to remember the promo code BET975. Whether you're a soccer fan, a baseball fan, a college or pro football fan, and you want to put money on games, you know if you go to mybookie.ag and have that promo code in your mind to use at BET975, you're going to catch extra deals along the way. They always have contests and prop bets and other deals that you can get in on, but the main thing is with that promo code, the next time you reload your account, if you're already an existing customer, or if you're signing up for the first time and you use the code as you put money into your account, as long as you put in 50 bucks or more, you could have up to 200 extra bonus bucks in your account immediately for you to use access and bet on games. Bet it once and you're free to take it out and do with it as you wish and use it as your winnings. 
It's absolutely just another way that they are fantastic at catering and taking care of their customers. That promo code is always bet975. And when there's not games going on, but you're still jonesing to do a little gambling, they have live dealers standing by with casino games so you can keep the night going and keep the interest in gambling right there at mybookie.ag. Again, mybookie.ag and the promo code bet975, as I always tell you, bet anything, anytime, anywhere with the only place to tell you to do it. It's mybookie.ag, promo code bet975. Welcome back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. Killer Bees are also known as Africanized Bees. And we all know there's nothing Africanized about these two guys. It's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. I have more percentage points of being African than Spencer Tillman has touchdowns. 713-780-3776. Look, Dusty gets a lot of, I consider it, fair criticism. You're always going to criticize the head of the snake. You're always going to criticize the manager. And then Dusty's explanation for things that are questionable. Jordan not in lineup today. Uh, needs a reset. Needs a day off. There's a day off tomorrow. Sacrifice a game for whatever. Blah, 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 blah. Um, there's missteps along the way. Uh, we can you know, talk about that to we're blue in the face until we're nauseous. All of those things. At the end of the day, AJ's right. Like Ryan Presley can't blow a save. The Astros need to score a run, even if it's not your best lineup. Uh, the Astros players have to go out and take care of business against two 100 lost teams in Oakland and Kansas City. So while I think it is fair to criticize Dusty, like Dusty's not the primary problem. Primary problems you're not winning games with a roster that's more than capable of winning games. Well, but you're also at a point in the season too where every decision is going to be magnified and people no are going to jump all over it. Because, look, I gave him his flowers, too, for the way that he's been able to keep this team's head above water all season with what they've had to endure. But you can't, there, there's no escaping when you see lineups like this in the last month of the season when you're not up by 10 games winning another division title and getting ready to take on the lesser of all the playoff teams coming to your house. And you're not playing horribly in your house most years like you are this year. There's just so many different things that they've hurdles that they've overcome but now at the time when everybody is on the edge of their seat and every decision is magnified and every loss has somebody pointing a finger, the fact is you're not going to fire the whole team. You can't. And so the easiest thing to do in professional sports is you point the finger at the manager and there are things that you can point to with this manager this season, especially in September. 713-780-3776. Flimsy on the Twitch channel. Players have probably quit on Dusty. You think there's any merit there? I saw our guy Manny talking about that a little I bit did, on Twitter, it, that, yeah. that, that Dusty's lost the clubhouse. Do you think that there's any merit there? I, I Let me put it this way. I don't think he's lost the entire clubhouse, but I think you can there are, without losing the whole clubhouse, I think he's rubbed some guys the wrong way. I think that there are some guys that might be feeling the frustration. I think in reading into a little bit of what Bregman said last night, and we've got to execute. And I think that's obviously that's on the players, but I feel like that's kind of a little bit on the manager too and on the coaching staff. And I think that, you know, obviously we've got this back and forth. We'll never know maybe all the details of Chaz, but I don't think Chaz is his biggest fan. Uh, I don't think that Yiner Diaz has been his biggest fan because of the fact that he wants to play more and he's not. Um, I think you can lose pockets or guys. I don't know that he's lost. The Verlander, Verlander loves the guy. Maldi has to love the guy because he loves Maldi. Mm-hmm. 
I, I don't think he's lost the entire locker room, but I think with each passing game and each situation, he's losing more guys. Yeah, Yiner and Chaz have been good, though. So it's like it's a bad decision not to play them more often, but it's not like you lost them because they're still playing well. They might not. They just might not like the guy. Sure, but that doesn't mean that you're not going to perform. Like right. you could no, not you like your, your manager if you still perform. So like that wouldn't be a recipe of why they're losing games because they're performing oh. and they're still playing well. And then I would say no as well because they look the players in this clubhouse they like Martin Maldonado. Like I could see some of the players being like, you know, Dusty's costing us by as much as he plays Maldi. He's costing us by you know throwing Jake in over Chaz or Dubon in over Chaz, et cetera, et cetera. But they like those guys. So like when you like a Martin Maldonado, you're not going to be upset and like be disenfranchised because the guy you like is playing over a guy who's probably better. So I don't I don't think that's the case here. Uh, I, I think they're trying to turn on the switch and they're struggling to turn on the switch right now. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Out to the HRP lo- uh, listener line. Justin, you're in the hive. What's up? Hey guys, uh, I'm with you. I mean, Dusty's obviously lost us a such set of games with his antics, but I don't know. But you look back at all the postseasons previously. There's there's a couple things that typically happens with teams that teams that come out with it, and it's one an overperforming pitching staff and some momentum heading into the postseason. We have the exact opposite of both of those. So I really just think like, yeah, Dusty could have lost us ten games over a certain amount of time, but you know, it's not our year. That's my thought. Thanks. Yeah, appreciate it, Judd. It certainly doesn't feel like that today, right? Like, you've lost a bunch of games that you feel like you should win. Uh, you didn't capitalize on a week that everybody circled that week, right? You circled Oakland. You circled Kansas City. You know, you wanted a 5-1 and one record. I was like, just win series, go 4-2. and two. They went 2-4. and four. Like, you win four games there? You're two and a half games up right now. You feel good, even though you've lost the first two games to Baltimore and six outs away from getting swept. Like you, you go four and two against Kansas City and Oakland. You're two and a half games up right now. Yeah. So right now, coming off a two and four week against Oakland and Kansas City, coming off a potential sweep today against Baltimore, it certainly feels like this is not the year. But would it shock you if the Astros like? Whether they get hot and make the playoffs or they limp into the playoffs, would it completely shock you if they go on a ride no. like they did in 2020? So, like, I'm not ruling out that the Astros' year is done. I'm not either because of the fact that it's been easy to become a prisoner of the moment this entire stretch run of the season. With You lose two, and the sky is falling. You win the last game, and you have an out, out, outburst by the offense, and then the pitching staff kind of settles down a little bit, and suddenly... All is saved. All is good. We're going to be fine. And then you do it again, and then you start losing to bad teams, but then you have another outburst, and people start jumping back on. But because you haven't really been in this situation before or for the majority of this golden run, people just aren't used to it. So every loss is magnified. Every little losing streak and slump is is the sky is falling to devastation. This team has too much talent not to be a team that has to be respected if they get in. But the bigger issue is they shouldn't be dabbling with missing the playoffs at this point in the season with the roster that they have and with the schedule that they just went through. There's no doubt that you can have the Rangers and the, the Mariners just bludgeon each other for seven games, and, ha- and and the situation will open the door for you if you can take care of business again against a team with a 100 losses that you haven't been able to do yet. But if you can take care of the Royals, there's a chance that you can get a nice little game or two up on on the other two teams. And, and finish strong, and if Arizona's in or out and they decide that they're going to do what they're going to do, it might even be better for you. But it shouldn't come down to that. Yeah. Uh, the Astros still have a favorable rest of the schedule mm-hmm. based like, on the entire league. Like If they play Arizona, Arizona's a good team. 
but the fact that Seattle and Texas play each other seven times in the last ten games, you should still get into the playoffs. 713-780-3776. Uh, 60-30, weird. I just sign in and it's blame Dusty Day. Everyone complains about one or two guys. He doesn't play win. But you're telling me we shouldn't be winning with the other seven guys. Blame the players. I just did. Uh, 60-30, a point taken. 3106. I texted in a hot take earlier in September that you guys trashed. The Astros will miss the playoffs due to their poor home record. You still trashing it or cashing it? Losing 14 of 19 at home like you guys mentioned earlier. Um... I'll give you scoreboard, 3106, tip the cap, say, yeah, you're onto something there. I just don't think the Astros are going to miss the playoffs. Like, I still think, and maybe I'm a homer, maybe I'm an idiot, maybe, you know, I have orange and blue colored goggles. I think the way that the schedule shapes up for the Rangers and Mariners is going to allow the Astros to limp into the postseason. I still believe they're going to get in. So I, I'll trash it again, three one zero six, double down on it, but it does seem like you are on one there, and I'll tip my cap for an accurate take while still don't think it's going to be compl- like get all the way home. I still don't think it's going to be the case. No, I, I would agree with that. I still have faith they're going to get in, and I think the schedule itself, because of the fact that the two, te- two of the four teams that are in this, this dogfight with you, uh, are going to play each other, and they're going to play each other seven times, and I think that matters, and I think that that will at least kind of crowbar an opening that you can squeeze through and you can get in. It's not going to be ideal if they don't win the division because I believe that they're the best team. It's not going to be ideal if, if they're not sitting there setting up their rotation and feeling good about themselves you know, going in and having a deep run into the playoffs, but they can get in. But at the same time, no one could have seen coming a home record like they have. And, and and the fact that you can't put a finger on it and, and everybody, it, basically it's it's just baseball in a lot of this and you can blame the batter's eye and you can do a lot of things and try and do things differently just basically to change momentum with your team for a season. But the fact is baseball's quirky and things happen. And we've seen this with individual pitchers like McCullers. One year he's hot on the road, the next year he sucks. Same thing with the home, the home splits. The teams can do it too. It's not ideal. I just, I, I, would have crapped on it then, and I don't remember it, but I would have crapped on it then because this team's too good to miss the playoffs, no matter what their home schedule yeah. w- was. Tony Lone Star uh, agree, absolutely grass is greener scenario. Anyone who hasn't had Dusty as a manager uh, wouldn't understand. Uh, A437, Dusty choosing this lineups like he is content with the one World Series that he won. Uh, there is zero reason that Jordan shouldn't be in the lineup in this kind of close race. Now, he will play today and draw an important leadoff walk. Uh, 713-780-3776. C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson. We've seen two games of both. Which of the two do you like better so far? And what's some of the avo- the uh, the evaluation of those two players that we're seeing around the league? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Guys, we know that it's hurricane season almost all the time down here in Houston, Texas. And we know the weather can be extremely tough. We know the heat gets over 100 and stays there in the summer. And we know that we can experience some things thanks to the grid and other things with cold weather in the wintertime from time to time. You know how you can really do something to try and help deal with you and your family, deal with those kind of situations when you have a house, you put the right windows on your house. You get the right people to put in those windows on your house, and you realize you can make a difference in terms of saving money, being more energy efficient, being tougher, stronger windows 
that can help the overall look, appearance, and value of your house, but can help protect and insulate your house as well. And that's why you go to Allstate Siding and Windows, because they are the experts. They have been in business for four generations. They're family-owned and operated, and they are going to make sure that you get the right window for your house, and that right window for your house is going to do what they promise it's going to do. These Texas winters and summers are both brutal, as I said, but these windows are tough. And right now you can save up to 40% on your energy bills with vinyl windows. Allstate Windows and Siding has expert installers. They make sure that the windows are fitted correctly the first time and every time because if they're not fitted correctly and you've got air escaping and leaking out, that can cause a big problem, and they make sure that that won't happen. They also have senior citizen, military, and first responder discounts, but they also have specials going on all the time, like 12 months with no interest, $150 off on windows with a minimum of 10, and that's the kind of deals that you can get on a daily basis. Call them. I'm telling you, 832-204-1936. That's 832-204-1936, or go to their website, allstatesidingandwindows.com, but make sure you get to them if windows are what you need to do. It's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy this next bit of brilliance with Joel and Jeremy. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's the Killer Bees. Texans uh, injury report is out. Break down every single player on the injury report. Uh, Perryman did not practice. That's not good. Jalen Petrie, Tavier Thomas did not practice. That's not good. They, they miss Petrie bad. A lot. I'm interested what they'll do at nickel corner if Thomas doesn't go. Maybe a little bit of Jimmy Ward? Maybe. It might be that one dude, the other the Perry guy that they kept too, that safety that they liked. Uh, other than that, everything else is fine. Limited participants. They did get Jimmy Ward to be a limited participant. That's good. Stroud's good with his shoulder, and Larry Tunsil was a limited oh. participant too. So I bet you he goes Sunday, which is good because offensive line needs some help. That would be offensive a, line needs some. Help. That'd be a starter. What's in that, the right Joe direction? George? It sounds like Jimmy Ward's going to play. It does sound like Jimmy Ward's going to play. Yeah. Which I wonder if we're going to see him a little bit more, like the nickel or the safety. I'd be curious to see that. I'm excited to see that. Uh, offensive line, I got about two and a half quarters into my all 22. Offensive line's not good. Better pass protection than run blocking, though. Their run blocking is atrocious. It's, really bad. it's, it's worse than their pass protection. It, I promise you. The it's only way chance worse it seems than their like pass protection. To try and bounce it because it seems like the in, it starts. It starts. They like, can't block internally. It's awful. Yeah. I mean, the middle of the line that I saw, I'm like, and, and yet they 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 were hell bent on running the football because he, because Pierce only carried the ball. They succumbed times. to public pressure. They, they really did. I feel you're right. They should have thrown it 80 times. <laughs> C.J. Stroud. That gives them a better chance to move the football. Uh, speaking of C.J. Stroud, obviously there's two big rookies on this team. C.J. Stroud, who you drafted at two. Will Anderson, who you traded up for to take it number three. I, I've liked both of these players. Like, let me say that right from the start. Because sometimes it sounds that I get critical on these guys. I, I like the future of C.J. Stroud a lot, quite frankly. He's been blowing me away. I like C.J. Stroud a lot. Uh, I like Will Anderson a lot as well. Now, they still have a long way to go in their career, prove it, et cetera, et cetera. Which of the two have you been the most impressed with so far? I, I think it, it's, it's a tough call for me. But I think because of the fact that I liked him in week one, and I know that you know we disagree on that. We disagreed to some point on this. But I believe that what he did with what he with how the deck was stacked against him in week two, I'll say Stroud. I like a little bit more than Will Anderson because I love what Will Anderson did in week one. But then I expected him to do not not necessarily have a sack, but I expected the same kind of performance in week two mm -hmm. because that didn't happen. Not again. No knock on Will Anderson because I like them both. 
But I'll say that I've been more impressed because, look, I had doubts about C.J. Stroud. I really did. And coming in, when we kept you know spending the entire lead up to the draft and afterwards analyzing these quarterbacks and trying to figure out who they were going to get and, and if they were going to get and how they all were going to play out, I didn't expect Bryce Young to look this bad, but I didn't expect C.J. Stroud to look this good, so I'll say C.J. Stroud. I'm actually with you. Uh, I'm with you. I think C.J. Stroud's been the more consistent of the two. Like, Will Anderson, what he did in week one, like, if we're going to break these down into four different segments, C.J. Stroud game one, C.J. Stroud game two, Will Anderson game one, Will Anderson game two, Will Anderson's game one was the best of those four options. Like, Will Anderson was uh, was unbelievable yeah. uh, in the first week against Baltimore. And what happened in week two was more scheme than, like, anything that Will Anderson was doing poorly. I didn't think Will Anderson was poor at all. I thought that the Colts had a really good scheme, and they were able to scheme Will Anderson out of the game uh, because they have a very good running game. They have uh, you know quick pass uh, options all the time with Anthony Richardson, the ability to throw. Now, I thought at times they took advantage of, uh, of Will Anderson's aggression at times, like the whole swarm mentality. I thought that they took, like, uh, they took advantage of that because they would have like some quarterback draws or they would fake a jet sweep. Richardson rolls out the other way. I, that's probably more D'Amico than it is Anderson, though, because D'Amico teaches them swarm, attack the ball. Right. Steichen knows that. Steichen's going to run a lot of counters off of that and leads to some really good things. So I didn't think that Will Anderson was bad. I thought just Shane Steichen schemed him out of it and was and out-schemed D'Amico Ryans. But C.J. Stroud's been the more consistent of the two. Like, C.J. Stroud, week one, for a rookie playing in his first-ever NFL game with a patchwork offensive line, I thought he played well. Long way to go. Like, there's mistakes that he was making. I, I think he's still a little bit hesitant with the football. Like, sometimes. Not all the time. Sometimes. When he's like, okay, get rid of it there. Could lead to some things where he's not hurried or he's not sacked. But that's going to come with time. Like, that's not something that he's never going to be able to do. That's a rep- repetition. That's playing snaps. That's getting a lot of reps in the NFL. So, of the two I've been I've been more impressed with CJ Stroud they're both high for me like I like them both a lot I both I think that they're both cornerstone players for this organization and for this franchise I just give the edge to CJ Stroud between the two rookies at this point where you at on this Joe George which of the two do you like more it's Stroud for sure I mean I thought Will Anderson was impressive it seems like he had a uh, kind of a mixed bag game it feels like like the the analytics numbers and you know, the people who know more about football than I do, like Lance, will tell you Will Anderson had a very good game still. Mm-hmm. This weekend, his, his pass rush, win rate, stuff like that was still pretty good. Mm-hmm. But I was I was impressed with CJ a lot in week two. So right now, it's it's CJ for me. Yeah, I think CJ's been better. 713-780-3776. And like pro football focus, they do their grades. I know we, we don't put a whole lot of stock in their grades. Uh, but pro football focus, their week two grade, they had CJ Stroud with a 65-7 for his grade. They had Will Anderson at a 56. So they thought Stroud had a better week two than than, than Will Anderson. Now their overall grade, CJ Stroud's a 60 and Will Anderson's a 72. Now if you want to look at it based on position, Will Anderson the top edge rusher, CJ Stroud the top quarterback. So that's good news. It is good news. And I think that progress matters. So I think that the big thing for me was I think they're both really, really good players and they're going to continue to get better and better. But we saw progress week to week from from CJ. And maybe Lance is right in the long run. But for me, short term and looking at it, from what I saw Will Anderson in week one, I thought, man, this kid is off to what's going to be a hell of a season and he is going to dominate. And he didn't not again. And that could be scheme. That could be, you know, them focusing a little bit more on him, too. But CJ did. CJ got better again, and he handled everything that was thrown his way that a lot of quarterbacks could just melt over, 
and he handled his business. So that's why I give him a slight edge. See, I think Braden Smith, the right tackle for the Colts, actually was better than Will Anderson in the game, which, again, like second professional game. I'm not. This isn't like a, uh, a take that I'm having that's long-term. I think Will Anderson's going to be very, very good. Uh, 60-43, doing it over, would you draft Stroud over Richardson? 100%. Like, my quarterback power rankings and your quarterback power rankings yesterday, that only accounts for two games. That only accounts for their first two games of their career. I give Richardson the slight edge over Stroud, quite frankly, because he won the head-to-head. Uh, and I, I don't see how you can have Stroud over Richardson if we're looking at this like college football polls when Richardson came into Stroud's house and beat him. I know he only played a quarter of football, but he accomplished just as much in that quarter of football than Stroud did, and they were up by 21 points in the third quarter. So I have to give Stroud, Richardson the advantage over Stroud through two weeks. Now, it's a pretty good chance Anthony Richardson doesn't play in week three because he's concussed. He's in the concussion protocol. So this might flip as soon as next week. But long term, I'm picking C.J. Stroud over Anthony Richardson without a shadow of a doubt. And I'm also picking him over Bryce Young without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. I firmly believe the Houston Texans, and I didn't think of this, I didn't think this on draft night. So this isn't like me patting myself on the back. This is something that I've changed my opinion to now in week two. I've, and I'm not doing it to pander either. That's not my style. C.J. Stroud, I feel confident in saying, is the best first-round rookie quarterback in the 2023 NFL totally draft. Totally agree. And I did not think that going through the draft process, I, I was a little bit more upset than most, uh, although most were pretty upset about the way that the Colts game ended and the fact that they wouldn't have their pick of any of the four quarterbacks that were being talked about being first-round picks. After they got him, I had serious doubts about if and or when he was going to develop into having all of the skill sets necessary to be an above-average quarterback in the NFL. And looking at him through the preseason, which wasn't much to to, to be judgmental or great about, but what we saw wasn't great. But judging him through the first two weeks of the regular season and having a depleted offensive line and not having a ton of weapons, this kid has looked like he's been in control. This kid has looked like he can make every throw. And this kid completely changed my mind in the fact that they got the right guy and the best guy in this draft. 60, uh, 61-38. I, I think fans are really expecting way too much of the Texans and Stroud this year. I bet Stroud is next level next year. We've been saying that since the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. and Stroud's impressed us. You have to be patient with rookie quarterbacks. You're going to see flashes. And we look, we saw flashes in game. We saw flashes in both games, but especially in week two. You're going to see flashes. You're also going to see some stinkers. Like, there's going to be a three interception game coming for CJ Stroud. I agree. Like, because he's a rookie, and that's what happened. Look at Peyton Manning's rookie but, year. But, Jeremy, look at what we were talking about, too. He got away with a couple. Oh, right? for sure. And so some of the ones that he gets away with that fall to the ground harmlessly, and you just don't even think twice about it, and the stat sheet looks like he was clean. Uh huh. Those are the ones that are going to get picked off at a certain point in the season, and you're going to go, you know what? Those are growing pains. Those are things that we talked about that we expected. Did he dodge a few bullets early and still look good? Yes, but there's going to be that that roller coaster of ebbs and flows is coming. You just have to be prepared for it and not think it's the end of the world. Quite frankly, those are like, you don't love them to happen, but that's how they learn. Like, that's the, you learn from those mistakes. Teachable now, those, moments, are, those yeah. are the, like some quarterbacks don't. Like, and those are the quarterbacks that don't have success in the NFL. But if you have a quarterback that screws up, learns from the screw-up, minimizes the screw-ups going forward, like, that's that's a winning quarterback. And sets the mindset that when the same scenario presents itself or the same defensive look or where he made the mistake with the coverage and throwing it where he did, he can absolutely learn from that, have a new mental outlook on it, and a switch that flips going, nope, not this time. I know I'm going to eat it or I'm going to throw it out of bounds, or I'm going to do something different than I did the last time. 713-780-3776. Let's go out to the HRP listener line. Kevin, you're in the hive. What's up? Hello, Kevin. Kevin, you there? Kevin, would you like to talk to us? Hello, Kevin. Kevin, going once, going twice. 
Kevin sold to Joe George. Hopefully, Joe George, you can take care of Kevin. 713-780-3776. Who has the better chance of being the Texans' top receiver? You can look at it short-term. You can look at it long-term. Nico Collins, Tank Dell. 713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5.